Hi, I'm Kyle Caldwell. And I'm Becky O'Connor, and this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In this episode, like many of the headlines over the past few weeks or so, we're focusing on pensions, including whether there really is cause for panic, whether you should now delay retirement, and the drawdown do's and don'ts. We're recording this episode at lunchtime on Monday the 17th, and that's shortly after the new Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, has pretty much reversed all of the tax measures that were announced in last month's mini-budget. He announced the reversals this morning and is due to give a longer statement in Parliament this afternoon. Becky, it's been an unprecedented couple of weeks, hasn't it? Um, I think the place to start is for a quick summary of why pensions have been making front-page news pretty much since the mini-budget at the end of last month. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the reasons Jeremy Hunt has had to stand up and reverse all of these changes is partly because of what happened to, to pension funds. And it was it was one of those weird unintended consequences things. So the mini budget was focused on growth and tax cuts and um, Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng then setting the agenda. But markets, the, the great markets, that amorphous beast of power um, that just usually kind of just sits in the background of our daily lives, not doing very much that we need to be worried about anyway, decided they didn't like that plan and they weren't confident in what the government was suggesting. And and very strangely, that ended up affecting pension funds, private sector defined benefit pension funds, I should add, and only those ones that use this particular type of investment fund to back their liabilities and help them manage risks. I don't think we need to go into the detail on exactly what what happened there. Although for the last two weeks, I, I have been doing basically, and pensions were very unusually top of the news agenda. But basically, gilt prices fell, and and gilt prices are really essential to pension funds. So a gilt yield. So when the, when the gilt prices fall, the yields go up, and usually they kind of tick along at roughly the same sort of level, relatively stable. Interest rates rise, and gilt yields tend to rise as well. And we had already started to see that happening before the mini budget, but then it just went off the charts when the mini budget was announced. And that sudden sharp change, dramatic change in volatility is what caused pension funds, those specific pension funds, not all pension funds, to have some issues. Well, since Jeremy Hunt's speech this morning, we've seen gilt yields start to come down again, which is good. It's a good market response. So hopefully, fingers crossed, pensions won't be top of the news agenda for the next few weeks. People won't be panicking. And I mean, there have been reports of people, you know, when you hear, you know, your pension is at risk, of course you panic. But actually, that there hasn't been the cause to panic that, you know, people might have initially thought across the board. So yes, high drama caused by the mini budget and its effect on markets, and then the unintended consequence hitting pensions, not all of them. I mean, the amount of um, coverage, you know, with pensions being in the news, it has caused people to worry about their pension. I mean, I've, I've had people, um, some family members get in touch with me and ask whether their pension is at risk. And, you know, the short answer is no, it's not. And that you shouldn't worry or panic. I think it might be worth running through the two types of pensions. I mean, you mentioned there, you know, the, the two types is the defined benefit and then um, the defined contribution as well. I mean, nowadays, most people those that are entering the workforce or you know under the age of 40 they're typically in a defined contribution uh, scheme which is um where you, you know you save up a pot by investing in shares funds or other types of investments whereas um defined benefit also known as final salary they're uh, they're older style pensions in which um 
they guarantee a proportion of your um, salary, either either average or your final salary when you retire. But in both cases, Becky, it is important to stress that people shouldn't be panicking. Yeah, absolutely. And they should be panicking for different reasons. I mean, one way or another, pensions are invested. With defined benefit, you're getting a guaranteed income, as you say, when you retire. So it's not about what's happening with the value of your investments in the same way it is with a defined contribution pot. Equally, with defined benefit, there's still two types there. There's the local government public sector defined benefit, which is paid for, well, through taxes, basically. And then there's the private sector defined benefit, which are invested in the stock market, but they're also backed by employers. And behind that, if an employer collapses, there's also the pension protection fund. So even though the issues in the markets cause problems with private sector defined benefit schemes, they're still really safe. You know, even if the employer wasn't able to fund as a, a matter of last resort the pension, if it did suffer a huge fall in value, then there is this protection fund behind it, which pays up up to 100% if you're already receiving the, the pension and up to 90% if it's still accruing. Defined contribution, as you say, is a kind of replacement for defined benefit. And part of the reason defined contribution is a thing is that the defined benefit pension funds were finding it difficult to meet all their liabilities and to continue to pay out the guaranteed income that they promised people. So defined contribution was invented. It's a pot of money. It's invested. And I mean, you know, they're, they're largely not enough. Defined benefit tends to be far more generous. And uh, we've had auto enrollment and 8% minimum contributions through defined contribution schemes. And the amount you get in retirement with defined contribution is just based on the amount that you manage to invest through your working life and how much you contribute through work. So they are very different. And although defined contribution wasn't affected by this issue, it has been affected by changes in guilt prices and guilt yields. They've been affected by you know, the performance of the stock market and lower returns from equities in the first half of this year, even before the mini budget. I mean, I know the mini budget you know, was responsible for a lot, but a lot was changing anyway and affecting the value of pension pots from the beginning of the year. So we've seen higher inflation and rising interest rates. And these, these have had you know, a distorting effect on kind of 10 years of pretty much uninterrupted growth in stock market investments and the pension funds that are invested in, in the stock market. Now we have an issue where you know, the instability in gilts is causing the value of some defined contribution pension funds to fall further than they were already doing. And the unfortunate thing there is that they're meant to be the kind of safe bit of the pot that actually as you get older, you approach retirement, you enter retirement, the amount of exposure you have in your pension usually to bonds and gilts increases as you get older. And that's meant to make it safer. But because of the, these very strange times that we've just been through, it's kind of like, you know, the upside down and stranger things. I feel like everything has just completely changed. Even the safer things have become less safe. Even so, I should add this at the end of everything, um, that's still not a cause to panic. If you don't actually need the money, you don't need to cash, cash it in. You don't need to pull it out. You need to leave it where it is and, if possible, continue to contribute so you can benefit from some of the low, lower valuations now and allow your pension pot more chance to grow in future. So these funds that you're referring to, they're called either like life strategy or lifestyling funds. And as you mentioned, Becky, the closer you get to retirement, they progressively reduce risk. And the way that uh, risk is reduced is by decreasing exposure to equities and increasing exposure to bonds. But um, as you just referred to, Becky, 
Um, this year, that's not been a good investment strategy. Um, both shares and bonds have fallen in tandem in response to high levels of inflation and increases in interest rates. And with the advent of the pension freezes, I say advent, I mean, the, you know, the, the pension freezes came in quite, quite a long time ago now, seven years ago. And these life strategy funds, which may be the default pension fund that is, is selected for you, it may not be appropriate um, for people that are using the pension freedoms. Because, um, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but um, my understanding is that these funds, these life strategy funds, they were, they were invent- not invented, but they were, they were primarily for people that were then going to buy an annuity. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's for people who would basically give up work and then retire. Very straightforwardly. But obviously now, you know, people that are leaving their pension invested at retirement, you know, they may be they may have a 20 or 25 or even longer time period. So um, I mean, obviously everyone's per- personal circumstances are different, but surely if you're investing for that longer period, it doesn't really make sense to de-risk ahead of retirement. No, I mean people don't we don't do things in a straightforward linear way anymore. We don't just give up work and then, you know, buy an annuity and take retirement income. We might access your pension pot when you're 55 um for some other reason, maybe to give an inheritance to children or I don't know, go go on the holiday of a lifetime or although, you know, to be honest at the moment, I don't think many people are thinking they're going to use their 25% tax-free lump sum and blow it all on a cruise or a Lamborghini or whatever, I think people are feeling a lot more cautious actually. But yeah, most people don't don't follow that path. Some people go back to work or they, you know, they work part-time for a bit before they eventually give up work. And so this idea of, you know, de-risking ahead of the point when somebody is going to retire and need the money and take the retirement income, it just doesn't really make sense anymore. And and clearly now there is this problem with people retiring later, using drawdown instead of buying an annuity, um, but the pension fund having been de-risked or lifestyled much earlier than necessary, and then people losing out on investment growth in that 10, 15, 20 years, however long it is, before they eventually do give up work and need a secure retirement income. So the, the bigger picture is that pensions have always been something that's been done to us. But now with defined contribution and pension freedoms, we're playing catch up a bit. But now they're things that, they ha- that we have to take control of ourselves um, independently. And things like lifestyling are not really fit for purpose anymore. They, they fit the old model and not the, the newer world of you know, us taking responsibility for our own investments. The onus is very much on individuals in um, defined contribution schemes. And I think the more that is um, written and spoken about um, pension lifestyle strategies, the better really, so that people can um, take action accordingly. One potential silver lining from the increase in gilt yields and the fall in gilt prices is that um, annuity rates are starting to look more tempting. Of course, annuities, they convert savings into a guaranteed income for life. The risk is that uh, if you die early on in your retirement, then your pot of money may not be left to your beneficiaries. There are some annuities which offer um, some residual value um, if you die. But if you choose this option, then you'll receive a lower regular income. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, for some people, it, it may make sense to um, potentially consider mixing and matching um, annuity and income drawdown, particularly now that um, annuity rates, they are looking 
more distracted than they have been for quite a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's really difficult to know what to do. I mean, in in normal times when the stock market is kind of reliably generating decent four five percent a year, it's still hard to know what to do, whether to go for drawdown or annuity, because you know it's actually quite scary the thought of managing your own life savings pot and drawing down and trying to work out what's a sustainable amount to take out so that you have enough left. Particularly when, you know, frankly and very bluntly, you don't know when you're going to die. That's the that's the big problem with retirement income planning. So you don't know if that annuity is going to be good value. And of course, with annuities, the enhanced annuity rates, are, if you do are offered an enhanced annuity rate, it's based on you being in poor health potentially and therefore not able to, you know, take it for a very long time. So, I mean, there is a theory now that if you draw down in early retirement, which is, you know, where you withdraw an income from your pension pot, as when you need it or or regularly, then that can be good. And then you can switch to an annuity later on where you're more likely to get a better rate and a guaranteed income. You do need to think about what's left of beneficiaries and whether you want, you know, whether you, how much you want to leave and whether you want to leave anything or whether you've got other plans to give money through property or whatever, uh, whatever other assets you might have. But it is something to consider when you're taking an annuity, for sure, um, because with whatever is left in a defined contribution pot, as long as you've named your beneficiaries, then quite straightforwardly, they can inherit that pot free of inheritance tax, actually, because it doesn't form part of an estate for inheritance tax purposes. So there's lots to consider. There's obviously how much you actually need, how much you want to leave behind, whether you're still going to be earning an income through part-time work whether you have caring responsibilities, whether you're somebody who just needs peace of mind and security over that extra responsibility of managing a drawdown pot yourself. These are all big, big considerations. I don't want, I don't wish to sound glib, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of glad I'm not facing that decision right now myself and that I've got several years for my own pension to keep growing because at the moment it is a really difficult time and yes the silver lining is that annuity rates are much better and if you do want that peace of mind you know it could be a great time to take out an annuity but apart from that you know it's quite scary to see you know your life savings that you've worked hard for fall in value potentially by 10 to 15 percent in the space of a year and then your plans to retire be upended potentially as well and for some people you know it's okay because they actually don't mind working a bit longer or they don't mind taking another part-time job or doing something else that they have wanted to do just to earn a bit of extra money. But for other people, it is much harder. So I think, you know, when, when there's a big shake-up in the economy, you know, it, it's it's generating really big headlines and news, but also it's having really big impact on individuals' lives and particularly, unfortunately, those people who have just retired or are just approaching retirement now. And one of the big risks um, when people retire, which may have happened to a lot of people this year, is the uh, the risk of so-called pound cost ravaging. This term, it, it, it describes the negative effect of over-ambitious regular withdrawals from the pension made after stock markets have fallen. And this can be particularly damaging when you've just retired as um, your pension pot will be at its biggest. So it has the furthest to potentially fall. But there are some steps that um, people can take to try and reduce the risk of this happening. One potential tactic is to try and take the natural income that's being generating from the investments in the pension. That will help the capital hopefully recover 
over the long term as you're not as you're not drawing into the capital. And another tactic, I mean, again, this is for people that are able to do this. You could have a separate cash pot that you you know you dip into rather than dipping into the pension. Again, this will allow the investments to hopefully over over time recover. But in general, the importance of diversification in order to reduce risk by investing across a, a good mix of assets. That will um, hopefully put people's pensions in good stead to recover from nasty and sudden falls in stock markets. Yeah. It's also worth mentioning the switch from kind of capital growth towards income generation generally in your pension pot when you're approaching retirement or entering retirement. Because that does, you know, require some thought. And, you know, <laughs> the problem is now we have seen falls in different parts of the stock market. It's not, it's not just equities, it's the bonds and the fixed income bit as well. So that does make it harder to know what to invest in, when to switch, when to rebalance, how to diversify exactly, I think is really tricky, isn't it? And, um, and we, we can see, you know, from interactive investor customers that, you know, people in retirement have been increasing their cash pot ever so slightly, just ever so slightly. Not, it's not a huge difference, but mostly people stick with the investments that they've had for a very long time, whether that's investment trusts or individual stocks or funds that are target dated retirement funds, so based on when you plan on giving up work. So it does seem to be that people are adopting a kind of wait and see approach rather than rushing to do anything in particular, even with the pressures of giving up work and needing an income as they are now. The other thing to say is just, you know, you don't really want to take out more than you absolutely need from your pot early on. Most people spend a bit more in the early years of retirement, naturally, because they're younger, fitter, healthier than they are later in retirement. They've got more they want to do. And also they've been looking forward to this moment, you know, where they finally have some free time. And so they want to enjoy it a bit. I think now is the time to maybe just delay any kind of unusually high spends that you might have been planning in your, you know, dream retirement scenario and just hold off for a bit because things are changing so rapidly you know we it, you know there's a lot of life that we've all just lived in the last few weeks and you know you can't take anything for granted even though things feel bad now fingers crossed things will have improved a bit by this time next year and you know it might be a better time to start making those more enjoyable plans and uh, you might have feel like you have a bit more confidence in the economy and a bit more visibility over what's happening to start thinking about having some fun again. Obviously, pensions, they've been in the news the last couple of weeks. The optimist in me thinks that this may uh, make people take a look at their pension and potentially and hopefully become more engaged in terms of how it's investing and where it's investing. Thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. If you get a chance, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app. Keep your questions and talking points coming via Twitter at IIOnTheMoney or email at otm at ii.co.uk. We'll be answering them very soon. In the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website at ii.co.uk. See you next week.